Welcome to the Last Ones In podcast, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Dry Archuleta, and then with me again we have E. Hello. Robbie. Hello. And from across the country, Rocky. Hey! Hey! And today, the movie that we are going to be taking a look at is 2019's Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Very beloved film. Very historic film as well. I, we've been talking about doing this one basically since the beginning of this podcast, and so it's nice to actually uh, finally be getting around to it. I've been saying over and over again, we're going to be getting to it sooner rather than later, and uh, yeah. It's finally happening. Yeah, so I know I have seen this movie. I've seen it once in theaters, just the one time. E. I. Movie. Not this one, no. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie. Yeah. Movie. Not this one. Rocky. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it twice. So you've seen it twice as many times as me. Well, one time more, I think. Yeah, that's twice as many. I've seen it once. Once is more. Than... One, once more, though. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, it, that's really double the amount that I've seen it. You do one, and then there's a multiplication symbol, and then a two, which equals two. So you can say one times. You've seen it twice as many times as me. I've seen it one more than you, yes. You've seen it one more time, yeah. <laughs> He has seen it 100% more times than you have. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, but before we get on to that, I think we should say, we're recording this episode the day after we recorded our Greatest Showman episode, so maybe there's not a lot to talk about, but how's everybody doing? Good, I've been listening to music. I was playing Silent Hill before I came here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Rocky? Um, I played Ark, spent two hours trying to get sulfur off a mountain to fall off the mountain and lose all my shit and get killed and, and basically have wasted two hours doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like even your neighbors found that hilarious. (laughs) That wasn't his neighbor. (laughs) I know, but that's what it sounded like. (laughs) Hey, Slice loved that. Someone's just yeah. walking by outside and they just heard it. <laughs> she, she, was, she was there for everything. She was there when I got up to the mountain and died of dehydration. And she saw me try to get back to my body to get torn apart by raptors constantly. And then she finally saw me make it back to get killed by a giant rock monster. Then finally to sneak past that guy, get my stuff, then fall off the cliff. <laughs> and just lose everything. You had a great adventure that ended terribly. It was fucking awful. <laughs> so you spent two hours to get behind where you started. I managed not to lose everything. And uh, yeah, I've been up to nothing. I We stopped recording last night and I put together a bunch of stuff for our window so air doesn't get in and then I went to sleep. Dope. So I've done nothing. <laughs> so yeah. I guess we just need to talk about the movie then. Yeah. So, Robbie. Yes? What do you think Parasite is about? So, I've never seen the movie. Uh, I've heard a little bit about it. But every single time I just think of the name of it, it makes me think of that movie Bug. So, I almost want to say that it's just like a couple that actually gets like a parasite stuck in them and like paranoia starts to get drawn into them. Okay. Then eventually there's a fight with Jeff, or Jeff Goldblum is a giant fly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, e, what do you think this movie's about? Uh, I believe it's not in English. Correct. Yeah. Uh, 
there is these people who are a lower income family and they convince an upper income family that they can do stuff for them in exchange for monetary value. And by doing this, they get money. And then something happens like two thirds of the way into the movie, I think, and it does something, but I don't know what that thing is. You have to fight Jeff Goldblum as a giant fly. That's probably correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I'll just read the back of the box then. Meet the Park family. The picture of aspirational wealth. And the Kim family. Rich in street smarts, but not much else. Be it chance or fate, these two houses are brought together. And the Kims sense a golden opportunity. Masterminded by college-aged Ki-woo, the Kim children expediently install themselves as tutor and art therapist to Parks. Soon, a symbiotic relationship forms between the two families. The Kims provide indispensable, quote-unquote, luxury services, while the Parks obliviously bankroll their entire household. When a parasitic interloper threatens the Kims' newfound comfort, a savage, underhanded battle for dominance breaks out, threatening to destroy the fragile ecosystem between the Kims and the Parks. By turns, darkly hilarious and heart-wrenching, Parasite showcases a modern master at the top of his game. I like how you started off talking about that, almost like you were a sitcom announcer. Yeah. And then you just kind of like moved yourself into like the guy who did like all the Batman announcements in the 90s. It's all about the transition. <laughs> <laughs> so, if people wanted to watch this with us, Robbie, uh, where could they do that at? Yes, I'll get this out of the way too. Uh, which, what language is this in? It's Korean, isn't it? A nice thing about movies made in areas not United States is that um, a lot of times English words will manifest into the reality at the bottom. It's very strange. Yeah, it's I feel really very useful. fortunate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very yeah. strange land where there's just <laughs> subtitles in everyone's household. Parasite is Korean. Also, um, I meant to mention this on our Greatest Showman episode, but I completely forgot. We got what language The Hunt 2013 was in wrong. It is not Dutch. Oh, oh. it's not? It is Danish. Ah. So. Just dub it, man. Dub <laughs> <laughs> it. This movie is definitely in Danish. <laughs> yeah. Just George Lucas that shit. Take it down and then put it back up. <laughs> um... If people want to watch this movie with us, there's the usual suspects. There is our YouTube, Google Play, and Amazon Prime for $3.99. There is Vudu for $5.99. And then I'm sure people have seen the advertisements because it was all over like all the social medias on that you could watch it if you have a Hulu subscription. No if and nor buts. It's hard to say with Hulu. And double check that because Hulu's fucking shifty. Parasite is legit just on Hulu. Wow, wow. that's a first. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great way to watch it, actually. Yeah. So yeah, if you have a Hulu subscription, you could definitely watch this movie. Or if you don't, then there are the usual suspects for either $3.99 US or $5.99 US. Awesome. Well, without further ado, I say we go and watch this movie and come back and talk about it a whole bunch. But how long is this movie? And what is it rated? It is two hours and 12 minutes long. And it is rated R, I believe. For language, some violence, and sexual content. Gross. <laughs> E's favorite. So yeah, well, uh... We'll be right back, guys. Talk to you in a little bit. And we are back from watching 2019's Parasite, directed by Bong Joon 
O. And um, yeah, I guess let's dive oh, right on in. Let's go with Robbie first. What did you think of this movie? Spoiler free. Uh, it honestly surprised me. The way that they've advertised this movie and what the movie actually is feel like two very separate things, but not in a bad way, though. Like, I did honestly enjoy this movie. It made me laugh more than I expected it to. It's very dark within its comedy. It's all in all, it's a good movie. I rather enjoyed it. it I kind of went from unsure about it to I think this actually might be a buy on my list. It's definitely a super dark comedy. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, okay, cool. E uh, is really good. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. I had that. I just I didn't have any expectations, anyways, other than people being like, "Yeah, this is probably one of the best movies that came out in the last year," and that's probably true. I don't know. I don't remember how many <laughs> movies came out last year. This one did win an award. I can't remember if it was an Academy Award or if it was a. I think it won a um, Grammy. No, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> it did win a lot of awards. Yeah, people were mad because they were like, how dare something not American win awards? Yeah, I, I remember some people were pissy about that, too. Like, oh, Joker should have got the award because it has to do with classism, blah, blah, blah. And like, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Dang, the movie about classism got in above the movie about classism. Yeah. <laughs> people are dumb. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. I quite enjoyed it. I could really, it just did a lot of things really well. It did. It did a lot of things right. Yeah, and I I really don't think I have much like negative to say about the movie, which is pretty good. <laughs> say that this is a buy, stream, right, rent, um, or pass. No, I've got to I've got to go crazy here. I think I would say a buy for this. Okay. Wow. I know. And I you don't that, say that about anything. I said that about Silent Voice, which I gave a 10. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I, yeah, just like I, I could see myself actually wanting to watch this movie again. I wonder, like, if watching it again could like provide some stuff that I didn't notice on the first one, or explains earlier stuff, or I don't know. Just I feel like I would watch this movie again, and that's also something I fairly rarely say. Wow. Okay. And yeah, just to double back around to that, it won a lot of awards, but the most notable are the four Oscars it won which are Best International Feature Film, Best Motion motion Picture of the Year, Best Achievement in Directing, and Best Original Screenplay. I feel like it deserved it. It did. That was a very good movie all around. Yeah. It's, I think, a surprise for... I don't know. I I, I don't know. I expected when I first walked into it kind of a horror movie just from what the trailer showed. Right. And then it wasn't that. (laughs) No. But I didn't walk away disappointed. Right. It's kind of one of those... You expect something different, but... You're happy with what you got still. You think you're going to buy into a chocolate chip cookie and it's oatmeal raisin. You're like, this was better than I thought. Nope. That's not what I would say with that. That's that's what I would say. That's maybe the worst cookie. That's the best cookie. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, it helps that I can't on. eat like half cookies because people decide that nuts are something you should put in cookies. Nuts and are delicious. Would, no, they're not. They kill me. Well, that doesn't make them less delicious. Yeah, it does. They can still be delicious and kill you. How, how delicious is something that makes you puke immediately after eating it? I mean, it doesn't make you puke because of the taste. How do you know? What if I'm allergic to the taste? That's not how things work. I mean, <laughs> from what I've been told, I haven't tried it myself, so I couldn't say, but what I've been told is Epicac tastes like a lot like maple syrup. Maple syrup is pretty good. Mm. But we need to move on yeah. to Rocky. What do you think of this movie? Yeah, it's it's a good movie. I definitely buy it, personally. Nice. No other thoughts? It's a good movie. Bye. What else do you need to know? <laughs> I mean, that, that that that's it in itself. It's a it's a really good movie. I like it. Okay. 
Jariah, what are your opinion on movies? Movies are great, and this movie in particular is great as well. This is one of the greats, although I think it's going to go down in history as one of those movies that, like, won Best Picture, and then nobody ever talks about it because everybody watched it and everyone just agrees, like, yeah, it's great, so nobody ever speaks about it. I think it's going to end up being one of those type of things. Same thing as, like, The Deer Hunter and stuff like that, probably. A movie that wins Best Picture, everybody says, like, it's the Best Picture, so they go into it expecting it to be one of the best things they've ever seen, and then they come out disappointed. So I think this movie may fall into that uh may fall into that trap especially consi- like now that i think about it too cuz like this is a good movie and i feel like there are talking points about this movie too however when you think of south korean cinema that reached the united states with a lot of praise you kind of think of this movie and one that's talked about a lot more train to busan very very relatable movies though you know i understand but yeah like it's kind of one of those things like it's certain movies like even though they're all good like you know they're both good movies but one will probably be talked about more than the other yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I would say it's a buy. I went and bought it as soon as I saw it on 4K. Didn't wait for like the special Criterion edition that they're going to be coming out with. It's going to have a ton of special features, apparently. The Schneider Cut? The Rob Schneider Cut. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely a buy. It's a really good movie. It's something that's going to probably watch a couple more times. Yeah, so. I think that's a record. I think this is the first time we've all been in a buy agreement. Yeah. Usually because of me, but... (laughs) I think uh, the ratings will be pretty interesting when we get to that. But that's going to be for the spoilers, which we're going to go into right now. So, if you do not want this movie spoiled for you, and you want to watch it before listening to the rest of this podcast, you can do so on Hulu if you have a subscription on there, or the normal rental places, you know where to find them. Pretty basic prices on those. We're going to start getting into the spoilers now. Talk to you guys in a little while. And we're in it! All right. So, I'm just going to go into one of the fun facts right away here. Okay. This movie's in Korean. It is! (laughs) I know. Um, This is actually the first film in a foreign language to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, and the first movie to win the awards for both Best Picture and Best International Film, which used to be called the Best Foreign Language Film. First movie ever to do that. So that's cool. It's pretty cool. I bet it's probably the first subtitled movie, too. No, 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 no. There's a lot of subtitle movies that, that win. one best picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my bad. The Academies is for snobby people. The right Oscars up. specifically, so. I guess I was thinking because most people don't like reading, so. No, critics almost entirely like reading. A lot of critics are subs over dubs? With film especially, I would say, yeah. I mean, when you dub a film, sometimes you risk losing the original intentions of some of the yeah words. It, it kind of goes into one of those, like, you know, there's the... Emotion and betrayal, or, yeah, portrayal, I should say. It sounded like betrayal when I said it at first. Uh, the portrayal of it whenever, you know, the actual actor speaks, and then there's somebody who's just in a vocal booth, just kind of sitting in a dark room reading a script, trying to portray the same emotions, and doesn't always come off as, you know, a one-to-one. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's also just the issue of translation versus localization That is true, well, too. Which, Hollywood's not cool with just translating things, because they, I don't, they're dumb, I guess, I don't really... I mean, some things just don't translate very well. Right, but, like, this is a movie that I think does translate well, and I think if they did that, they would still try to make it super American for no reason. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, would... there were a couple different American things about this movie, too, because, you know, one of the the first guy that come to this per- these people's homes, like, he comes in as an English translator, or, yeah, an English teacher for one of their daughters, you know, teaching her how to read and write and all this other fun stuff in English, so if they're already speaking English, it may not translate quite as well just for that reason alone. Yeah. Uh, maybe they would change it to a different language for that. Who knows? Yeah. Korean. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would do if I had like translate something that had another language is I would just switch them around. Yeah, that would be pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the plot of this movie is pretty basic. Uh it's the details that kind of are the most interesting parts of it. The basic plot is there's a poor family and they basically all force themselves into a rich family's life and become the help. All the help for this entire family. And then end up finding out a dirty secret that there's already someone who did this exact thing and has their husband living in the super basement of this house. And then that ends up leading to a giant conflict where one of the people get murdered and one of them has to go into hiding. And it's a whole, it's a whole hullabaloo, a whole to do. Yeah. But like, it's Which, fairly yeah, basic. And yeah, that that's pretty much the entire plot of that movie in 30 seconds. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fairly basic plot yeah. and pretty easy to understand. It's just all the details of everything and the subtle jokes, I think, that really... Uh, subtle jokes and just, like, subtle nuances between, like, rich and poor and stuff like that, too. And, like, I guess that's what I originally thought it was going to be with the name Parasite, is, like, this family, like a parasite moving into the people's homes. That's what I thought it was originally going to be. And then you find out that there's already another guy living in the basement down there, and he's the actual parasite to... I mean, they're also the parasite. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> a parasite. The rich people are functioning off the poor because they're un- incapable of doing everything on their own. Yeah, the poor people are living off of the rich because they don't have the money to do everything on their own. And then the other people in the basement are also parasites. Like it's just a, cir- yeah. a circle of parasites. Circle jerk of parasites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, something. So there's a rock that's like vital to the movie because it's symbolism. Yeah, it's supposed to bring them good fortune, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like good wealth and stuff. You know, kind of like, you know, I have people here that like they have certain chakra stones that are supposed to, you know, help them with their well-being. Like this is supposed to help you be happier. This is supposed to bring you this and that and that and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. I think it's kind of the same thing. So it was kind of uh, one of their better off friends giving them a gift of saying like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, this is my way of wishing good fortune upon you guys. And then. You know, after he gets that rock is whenever he gets that job for that rich family. And then he finds a way to sneak in his sister to become, you know, an art therapist for their young child. And then, you know, get the dad to be the new driver for the family and everything. And so, like, it's this rock is kind of a representation of how they go from from what I'm assuming, at least, that all of them are unemployed because they all take like a weird side job to make pizza boxes for another company. And then the pizza company tries screwing them out with that one and then. I don't really know if it's fair to say screwing them out. They did a bad job. They did a bad job, but it's... One-fourth of them did a bad job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So one person in the family did a bad job, and everyone's going to have to pay for it kind of mentality. Which it's pretty clear that it's the father that fucked it up. Even whenever... Because the house starts getting fumigated, and he's, like, not wincing at all. He just keeps doing his thing. Yeah. Following this uh, American video of how to fold these pizza boxes. But they're not the same pizza boxes. They don't work the same, and he's trying to work really fast just to get it done, and so he's fucking it up. He fucked all of his boxes up, basically. And so, like, the family all knows it's him, he knows it's him, and it's kind of this whole thing through the whole movie of, like, the father just sort of fucks things up. He's he's the weak link, basically. That's a pretty good way of looking at it, actually, because I feel like uh, out of them, like, the kids get the most praise, but they also do the most. Like, you know, they planned out the whole thing, and, like, they forged all the documents for everything, and they're, in a weird way, the masterminds for this whole plan. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, then the father just kind of fucks everything up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back to The Rock, because I did have a point I wanted to make with The Rock. I think it was actually really interesting how they kept using The Rock throughout the movie. Because, like, it starts the entire movie off, but also it keeps gradually getting pushed back in. Like, they keep referencing it, and, like, there's a big part in the 
latter part. I don't really know how far in the movie, but like where it actually starts flooding and that's what the rock is what the sun saves out of everything. Yeah. And he says like the rock just kind of clings to him because it is this weird thing in his mind where like it's this weird unhealthy relationship because he does see it as the thing that brought everything. And he goes to as far as the rocks also how he planned on dealing with the uh, people in the basement. Because he was just going to use it to kill everyone. But doesn't really say. I mean, what else do you need a rock for? Yeah. (laughs) Bring good fortune to the. The the rock is is, uh, definitely a representation of a lot of things. So far in this point of the movie, um, like it was given by his rich friend. I think it's kind of like a bullshit. Yeah, the we're talking about the the stone, his friend from college. There's an implication that he comes from a wealthier background. Yeah, um, he's like going to university and all this stuff. Yeah. Um. So it's it's also it's also like a, a bullshit thing. Like it, it equates, you know, like here's a rock. I don't understand why your circumstances are so bad. So this will bring you. Um, <laughs> this will bring you fortune. But that's that's one of those things. Like it's what is it? What what, what they call it when um. Like you survive, and because your like survival worked for you, you think yours is the right survival bias. Is that what they call it? Uh, there's survival bias. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's it's this. It, it's like a ridiculous thing. The Rock's not going to actually bring any fucking wealth to their family, but they hold on to it as like a symbol of wealth because you know, um, hey, these people are rich and they gave this to us, so it must actually mean something. It doesn't fucking mean anything. And so <laughs> yeah. it's like this. Yeah, so it has that ridiculous aspect of it at that point. But it does have a, a lot more meaning, but I guess if we remember it, we can touch on it as we go. But I didn't mean to hijack. Yeah, no, that's fine. Like Hijack your conversation. I just, it's mostly just I really like how they keep bleeding into it. And then something I'll say is, like, it does the thing that I do like in movies where it almost feels like there is this weird, like, actual, like, it is bringing them the good fortune, but you can easily be like, well, it's just a happenstance. Because it also is the catalyst for everything going wrong, other than them being stupid. But <laughs> yeah, they're well, pretty see, stupid. That's it, it, it's it's sort of like a swap, though. It's like you have the ball in like three different cups. Where's the ball? Because it wasn't actually the stone that brought the fucking good luck. It was the friend giving yeah, him the chance to 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 do something different. Yeah. Um. So I mean that that's another thing. It's 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 like a false equation. Here comes the friend who has these opportunities with this little thing. The friend provides the opportunities. This kid still believes that you can probably work your way up to the up up through the ladder and just like make it. And connections don't matter. So he's equating all the value to the rock when the reality was still the friend gave him the fucking job. When he gets knocked out and he wakes up in the hospital. Uh, he he can't stop laughing, and one of the things he brings up is, I am looking at a doctor who doesn't look like a doctor, and a police officer who doesn't look like a police officer, and their fucking behaviors are not professional remotely. And from, like, the poor class, you equate those positions with ability, but what you see now is people operating in those positions that don't seem to have that ability. And that's, it's like, it's fucking hilarious, because the fitting the bill because you deserve to be there it's not it's it's it, it at least you know i don't want to get political but from the eyes of this movie and i do think this is a great movie uh doesn't fucking exist all these mm-hmm. people are very likely where they're at because of connections 
that yeah. that they have. Yeah. And I think that's how it equates. Yeah, connections are a big thing in the movie. Even like the people who were working there before they got kicked out by this family just were connected to someone who knew the rich people. Like the cleaning lady who was there before, the only reason she works for those people is because she works for the person who owned the house beforehand. Yeah. And then they just hired her. Yeah, they're just like, well, you know the house already, so we might as well just have you be our cleaning lady. Yeah. Well, and it's also, for instance, how did this work, right? Well, my friend introduced me as an English tutor. Oh, hey, I know this amazing teacher that works with, or not teacher, but uh, I can't remember what art. what they said her position was. Like an art therapist? Yeah. yeah, yeah hey, yeah. I know this amazing art therapist. Then the art therapist is like, hey, I know this amazing driver. The driver's like, hey, I know this amazing cleaning lady. And then it's fashioned even further when the when the wife's like, look, I don't even want to look at your paper. It's meaningless to me. He says you're good, so I trust him. And then later, I can't remember if she's talking to the limo driver, but she talks about a belt of trust that she prefers to work with people who are sanctioned by people she knows. Yeah. Because then you have a belt of trust, right? So that that whole thing is 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 very important to like how that lifestyle actually exists. And so you have individuals who are in an impoverished lifestyle who can't move up because they don't have the connections. And you, I mean, you look at the characters and they, I mean, fuck, the sister is this amazing, like, hacker. <laughs> she, knows how hacker. Use, she knows how to use Photoshop really well. Yeah. That's she's basically really good at, hacking. Yeah, she, she's very good at forging docu- documents. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. But she's <laughs> extremely capable, right? Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, uh, the brother is very uh, savvy as well. So it, it, it's not that these two aren't capable individuals. You know what I mean? They're yeah, clearly like, cable. They pushed out all the all the services for this one family. Yeah, they've just never been given like that opportunity, basically. Yeah, and then like, well, actually, they basically all just function like IT people. Where it's not their job to actually know everything; it's their job to know how to find out how to know everything. Yeah, yeah. Because like <laughs> the mother doesn't even know how to like cook really. All she yeah, it did make that point because it's just like how the hell do you make or uh, make this dish? And then like she ends up just making it within eight minutes because she like looked up a recipe really quick. Yeah. Which is kind of how it works. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to know how to know things. Like, the father, even. Like, the father is kind of knowledgeable, but is he? He knows how to drive a car. Yeah, apparently he's very good at driving a car, and he knows the city well enough to get him from place to place, because it, it made that very apparent with the first time that the father starts driving for him, that he just automatically turns off the GPS and just starts driving, and the dad is, like, testing him by holding up that cup of coffee out of the... Um, right, by holding up the cup of coffee and seeing like how much it waves from side to side whenever he speeds up and slows down and goes from side to side to see how smooth the drive is going to be. But he also fucks up a lot with that later. Later on, yes. It's whenever he's having that conversation with him, he keeps on doing like, can you just keep your eyes on the road and then almost hits a truck? Yeah. So like, is it just one of those things of like, they scripted this, I, I, this drive so much? Yeah, that could be it too, because they there's a lot of things that the kids scripted for the parents to get them the jobs that they got them. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, like, even with the GPS and stuff, they probably know, like, they were told beforehand, hey, pick up the dad, the businessman from his business and take him back home. You can route that. Yeah, exactly. You can know how to route that. Maybe, hell, he could just look ahead on the GPS and maybe that's why he turned it off. He's like, okay, I know where I'm turning. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think that the father is actually, I don't think the father is actually capable at all um, of I mean, most of the things. He can basically drive. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing he really knew how to do is because, like, they brought that up early in the movie. He drove for someone else earlier. Yeah, he did. Yeah. 
that brings up a thing. There's a lot of like dialogue is actually really important, even like quick lines. Because one thing at the beginning is they're like, "Oh yeah, we I worked for this guy who used to run a bakery until that got closed down." And later in the movie, when you find the person in the basement, he was the guy who ran that bakery that closed down. And that's how he's so hard on his luck now. Yeah, which is really weird, but very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't notice that one, is that he's the guy that had the bakery that shut down. They did mention that, though. It really on. is just two throwaway lines. Like, Yeah. Well, there's a lot of other throwaway lines in the movie, too, that like you don't really think about until afterwards. Like, whenever they mention of, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, our maid, she's really good at what she does, but she eats as much as two people. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. And then there's a couple shots when they're, like, sitting at the table, the light is on, and then you just see it turn off by itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of, like, little foreshadowing things that show, like, oh, there's something obviously weird in the basement. Right. But it's just, it's one of those things when you're not looking for it, you don't really notice it, which is what's happening with this rich family is they're not really looking for it, so they don't notice it. They're just, they're not white, but like they kind of feel that like (laughs) blinded to the realities of the world rich people thing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that Bong Joon-ho was trying to go for, honestly, in this one. He himself actually had a really hard time, like he was super nervous filming this movie because they did film it in an actually super expensive fucking rich person's house. (laughs) Um, the trash can that's in the movie, the little tiny one, that's not the trash can that was in the house before. They put that one in there because they didn't want to fuck up the real one on accident. <laughs> he was nervous moving the actual trash can, apparently, which cost $2,200, I think it was. two thousand two hundred or 2300 for just the trash can. He's like, it's the best trash can I've ever seen in my life, and I was so fucking nervous having to move it. That's <laughs> insane. What do you need that trash can for? It's fucking trash. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah, that's an insane amount to pay. Like... Like, you go to Target and you find, like, really nice trash cans that are, like, $70, $80. And I look at those and that's what I think, too. Is like, God, this is rich people trash cans. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, what is this? $10? Gross. Get out of here. I need a $5 trash can. <laughs> <laughs> that's like... But, yeah, but, this movie has a lot of foreshadowing for a lot of things, actually. Yeah. But, no, like, uh, also, I guess, early on, too, with the bringing back the pizza box things of, like, uh, oh, we're going to cut your pay 10% because ha- our quarter of the boxes are bad kind of just reminded me of... A corporate way of thinking too um that's an, another little bit of foreshadowing because um she was saying like one fourth of these boxes are are yeah are bad are rejected yeah, I, which these are reject products and uh at the end of the movie one fourth of the family is rejected killed murdered taken out yeah there's no good not no good but you know murdered yeah. <laughs> yeah. i don't know if she's the best at what she's doing because she's the only one who understands the separation of the family of the two families, basically. She doesn't get attached to any of them. No, no. She looks at it like a job. Yeah. And everybody else gets attached in one way or another. Like, the son gets attached to the daughter and, like, wants to talks about having a real relationship with her. The mom and dad get attached to the house and the way of living. Well, the mom gets attached to the idea of the money. And mm. the dad gets idea to the attached of the, the lifestyle, basically. And so they all get attached in these other little ways. And the one that doesn't get attached to anything is the one that ends up dying in the end. Just very yeah. strange, and there's probably some meaning in that, but I don't. I'm not smart I, enough to know it. <laughs> I feel like the meaning of that is just like things aren't fair because to be fit, like I feel like you know the son and daughter did the most work, but between the son and daughter, I feel like the daughter did the most work. She did the most research to make sure that she would actually come off as like a real art therapist and did the most fooling to the family. She forged all the documents. She uh, was the one who planted, or you know, planted that seed that the driver was no good to the father. She's the one who came up with the idea that. Um, you know, the the maid had tuberculosis and 
was, you know, taking the fuzz off of Peach's side. She'd have an allergic reaction. They would see her coughing and stuff like that. She worked the hardest out of all of them to get to that point. But yet it's not. And so it's very unfair that she's the one who has to die at the end. Well, or you could look at it this way. Her work didn't mean shit at the end of the day. Right. That's also true. That that could be the more poignant point was that, yeah, it doesn't. That's not really the point of this movie, you know. But like I said, I think it's just kind of one of those, even though she was one of the harder working ones, too, and she took the least attachment to all of this and saw it as just a job. She's the one who paid the harshest price out of everybody. And speaking of probably symbolism, I think it's actually really interesting, the use of Native Americans in this movie, how like they're this weird idealized thing for the sun. And apparently Scout Boy Scouts in South Korea yeah, According that's weird. <laughs> I would have to. I'm curious if that's like a thing, or if they just needed a reason that he got into it. But like, it's an interesting thing about like this weird taking over of other people's land, essentially. Yeah, this... that that does kind of fit into the whole idea of the parasite thing, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there were ideas beforehand of that last scene, the party scene, to where cake and blood and stuff was going to go all over the faces of them, and it was going to look like war paint. They ended up not going with that, obviously. I think that'd be a bit too on yeah. the nose. Yeah. But yeah, you make a good point with that. It's it's basically very parasitic in that way, in that sense, too. Leads right back yeah. to the title. And then another thing of like the father in the Native American gear is the one who rose up against his captors in his mind, of course. It's yeah. the other way around in reality, essentially. But <laughs> And then and it's an, another thing of like it's an interesting catalyst that it was actually the father's pride that was the reason he had to do that. Because it was just one, um, I can say the rich guy and father had uh, made an off comment that he heard about whenever they were hiding underneath the table from them whenever because they were just staying at their house like, oh, they're going to be gone for the weekend. We can stay here. And then whenever they abruptly came back because of all the rain and flooding and everything, which the family seemed very oblivious to, you know, all the destruction that was happening to the city right underneath them, too. I mean, they don't see it. They don't know. Yeah. But um, whenever they came back, like, you know, came back and they didn't realize that they could, or people were hearing what they were saying because, you know, they had, most of the family was hiding underneath the table except for the mom who was being the caretaker. And he had made a comment about how the dad smelled, what was it, like radishes? Old radish. Yeah, old radish. <laughs> yeah. And he, that's in his pride because, like, he just automatically just brings his shirt up and starts smelling it. Like, do I really smell like radishes? Like, kind of unaware of it. Smell was a thing that they brought up multiple I think times. Really, actually. one of the things that ties because there's something that ties in both what's going on with the uh, Native American gear and the sort of during the flood how they were unaffected entirely. And it's this idea of disattachment. Yeah, that you are so such in a high place, what may look like really shady. Um, be, for instance, the 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 family sort of man- maneuvering themselves in that position. It's pretty shady. But they're in, they're more in a situation of survival, right? So, I mean, obviously, the rich family doesn't have to look that dirty because they're entirely isolated from the realities of what that looks like. So, for instance, I mean, you know, never never mind, you know, uh, extreme genocide of a people. Uh, this is a fucking birthday party, right? Because <laughs> right. that's, that's the world they live in. Never, never mind, I'd be I mean, never mind that the people that, are employed for me smell weird for some reason, even though when it rains, their shit gets flooded. Right. Right. I mean, that's, they're always complaining about the smell, but they don't understand the reality of, of why you could possibly smell like that. Right. And then another one that I think is really interesting is with the blood. Um, Mm -hmm. when they fake 
the TB uh, situation with the ex. What was she a maid? That's what she is. Yeah. Yeah. House housekeeper. Housekeeper. Yeah. Well, when they fake the blood to them, like he he pulls out the fucking tissue of ketchup. It's clearly not blood. It's fake. But the mom's like, oh. And then when the movie ends and that and he and the 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 guy stabs. The, the 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 poor dude the the poor dad stabs the rich dad. There's legitimate blood on his hands, right? And so that's the that's the difference between this glossy ketchup feeling to what they're exposed to, and aversion to the blood that's on this man's hands now, right? And so it's that sort of separation of reality, yeah. That I think they explore with those themes. Uh, even then, like before the rich dad gets fucking stabbed, the the thing have like. Uh, the poor man's daughter and the, to the rich dad, of course, they don't know they're related, but like he watched this girl get stabbed and she's bleeding out, but he needs the the driver, the poor dad, to focus on his son who merely passed out while this girl is bleeding out to death. Yeah. And also there's still a murderer. That's kind of what I was getting to because, you know, it starts off with him making that comment of he smells like old radishes. And then after that, like, he notices that the wife uh, rolls down the window after he drives her somewhere because she can smell it on him now. Seems to get a little bit annoyed at that. And then it goes to later on wherever, you know, they're having that big scene wherever that or that murderer is out there on the porch and everything. And, yeah, the guy's trying to stop his daughter from bleeding. He's been saying, like, keys, keys, I need the keys. And he throws the keys at him but doesn't throw it far enough and gets underneath the murderer after he's stabbed with the shish kebab, basically. Yeah. And, uh... It's just like that motion of the dad because like he moves the body and like he grabs the keys like he doesn't want to touch them because it was touched by this other murderer guy and covers his nose afterwards because of, you know, the man smells of poor in a weird way. Yeah, and it, and, it's just like he kind of reaches his boiling point there or during that scene. That's something that I find actually pretty interesting in the movie is that it's only those two characters that smell like that. The, the two, the one who owned that bakery who had it shut down because it failed. Right. And then the poor dad who worked at the bakery and who became the driver, they're the only two that have that smell. Everybody else doesn't. I don't right. think that's inherently true because remember the, the kid at the beginning, well, in the middle of the movie, yeah, he, he smells that each all, of them and yeah, says they all smell the same. I think it's most notable with the dad because he's driving them. So they are forced to be in a car with him where they don't have the windows rolled down. That's fair. And like fair. he covers his nose at that part simply because there's a dead body. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, there's a dead body. And this is also yeah. a guy who's been, you know, staying. Yeah, he hasn't showered. Uh, in yeah, it. I was going to say he's been staying underneath their house for what they say, like four years now. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, you don't see a shower down there. It's basically just a bed and a toilet that's down there. Yeah. I also uh, think it's really interesting that um, when he goes to get the keys and there's the dude with the shish kebab that's been living in the base- basement, just shoved in his side, and he looks at him. And there's just, just this horrific scene that he can't process. And the, the dude looks up to him and goes, respect, right, before he dies, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I think what's what's really interesting, and I, I do think that's kind of like an allusion to the, um, that when you see um, uh, struggles, it's usually among your lower classes. And then they usually get highly criticized, yet they're fucking fighting in the basement of the rich man. Right. And they're, yeah. they're they're fighting for what what the what the rich man's supposed to get supposed to or what the rich man's paying them. Right. So you, you have this this nasty struggle that the rich person's entirely blind to. Right. Uh, for the shit 
that 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 the rich man's very much involved in and then it's just again there's just such this separation in reality that the rich person just gets to be horrified at it even though that they're they're still wrapped up you could say in the karma of the whole situation and the struggle of the situation like there's also an interesting thing where the man who's been in the basement he actually idolizes the rich dad oh yeah like because he makes this whole big thing of uh like oh yeah like I have a place to live and I have food to eat and like I have, you know, I'm set because of this man. So I yeah. need to like in a weird, like he provides for me. So I provide for him. So like his weird way of like saying thank you is by, you know, doing the thing with the lights and then like speaking Morse code to the child. Yeah. And he thinks in a weird way he's helping the family that way. And like it kind of justifies him living in the basement. Well, it's the thing where the family thinks the lights are automatic because he does that for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's these little there's three lights that go up the stairs from when their entrance of the house. And in the basement there's three switches. And you find out in the movie that the man every single day hits those switches according to the steps he hears above him every single day. Yeah. And every single night he does Morse code to the sun because the sun is in Cub Scouts and he just knows yeah. Morse code. Yeah. Which again is sort of a I guess like a, a metaphor for society, right? Like how many things do people who are in a, a very privileged environment take for granted, not knowing the amount of effort that goes into those things operating. Yeah. Right. That yeah. they don't just operate by themselves. There's somebody pushing a button somewhere Yeah. to make that stuff happen. And the part I wanted to bring up is cause like, I think that's another metaphor with how he idolizes this rich man. And, and like, it's this thing in society where a lot of people who are lower income and stuff feel like they can, they have the ability to become this rich man. They just have to work hard and stuff and all the other bullshit people tell them. And in this situation, much like sometimes in real life, this guy doesn't have any control on what happens. Really? He just works hard for this man who will never, ever know he exists. There's again, there's a lot of classism, some of it, subtle symbolism, some of it. Hey, yeah. Uh, some of it's right. Rich face. people suck a lot of times and don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's I, that's the whole narrative of the thing, right? It's, yeah. it's all classism and it's all poors versus riches, basically. Yeah. And in in also a weird case of poors fighting, or yeah, the poor people fighting amongst themselves, just well, try to get a slice. That's really of what rich. it is. It's it's poor versus poor. Yeah. Right. And the rich people get to pretend they're all bad people. <laughs> yeah. It's it's too. It's two poor families being cutthroat towards each other to try to just get a slice of this rich life while the rich people are very unaware of what's going on around them until it's too late. So the driver that gets replaced by the poor dad, he actually doesn't ever exist in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's and just gone. You have no idea what happened to them. Like they're like, yeah. oh, he probably found a job. It's whatever. Like, yeah, he, like they he's have, young. He's good looking. He can find a job. Yeah, they have to justify it to themselves. Yeah. All their shitty actions, which is kind of true to which real life what, too. Yeah. I feel like if we went back and watched this movie, you may see the driver in the back of, like, after that flood happened and they were all staying in that gymnasium that night to get away from the, uh, you know, their flooded apartment. Like, I feel like if you look hard enough, you may find him, like, just for a split second in that gymnasium. Maybe? But, I have no maybe. idea. Because from what, the way that they make it seem, too, like, it seems like in the area that they're in, that uh, unemployment is a very big thing there. Because that's, that's before that all happens. this happened, that entire family was poor and just barely living off of like a I guess a government pension between the four of them I don't know if they have that in Korea well that's what they were saying about the guy who was staying like the one who was staying in the basement he was saying that he didn't qualify for a government pension so 
That's why he had to stay there because he just had to disappear because he uh, owed a whole bunch of money to all these loan sharks. And even after four years, they're still after him. And so he was in hiding in a weird way. And so like, that makes me think like, I guess you can say whatever South Korea's um, version of unemployment is like, I'm guessing that's what that family of four was living off of. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my guess. Like, I could be very very wrong on this, but that's my guess at least. And then, well, actually, something about the driver too. The movie actually also tries to get you into that trap where you justify what happens. Because like the one scene you really get with the driver is when he's driving home uh, the sister, and he's kind of creepy to her. Yeah. He's just kind of he, creepy to yeah. her. It's not like anything bad. It's just like he wants to take her out on a date and she says no, but then he kind of pushes it just a little bit too much. Yeah. But like the movie tries to convince the movie tries to get you in that trap too, where you convince yourself that he deserved it, but he'll also probably be fine. And it's, it's kind of that unknown of like, ah, he'll probably be fine. It's not our problem anymore. And you'd never really know. Like there's no way you can know. I think for me, one of the most interesting things is the battle that the sun has in it. Because through the whole movie, he's basically struggling to, like, does he belong anywhere? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't think he belongs to be poor, but then once he's, like, in the environment with the rich people at the party, he's like, do you think I would belong here? Like, do you think I'm good enough here? And the daughter's like, mm, yeah, sure, f- f- I guess. Yeah. I just, like, kind of when- nods. And, like, he doesn't really feel like he belongs anywhere. And, like, no matter what he does, I think that's something that's really interesting with that. One thing I thought that was kind of interesting, he's, in a weird way, taking his friend's position. Because once again, it's a throwaway line that's in the movie early on is because the reason why he wants him in particular to do to be an English tutor for this girl is because he doesn't want those universities. Yeah, those university guys hitting on her all the time and, you know, trying to get in her pants while they're teaching her how to do English. So he's like, you, I can trust you. Like, I don't have to worry about her. And then I can date her when she goes into a university. And then when it goes to like, you know, the family staying at that house and getting drunk during that weekend, they start. He starts talking about how he's going to wait until she goes to university and then he's going to date her. And he talks about the prospect of marriage and how he can possibly be a son-in-law and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, like, we'll basically be inheriting this house. It'll be great. That's not how that works. You don't just... (laughs) No. No, but they're just fantasizing about (laughs) it. Yeah, I know. It's just like... But, like, he, in a weird way, he he kind of just, like, takes the position that his friend wanted... Or the, the friend that gave him his job, he's basically trying to take that position away from him in a weird way. I mean, not even trying to. He literally does. He just yeah. fills in the shoes yeah. almost exactly. But, like, I just like how... I don't think the film exactly says it, but this is kind of how I interpret it, is that, like, the monetary value of you isn't your life or your belonging. Yeah. Like, you have to figure out where you belong and how you belong on your own. Like, no matter how much money or how little money you have, like, that's not going to define who you are. And that's what the the son always considers. Like, how much money do I have? That's who I'm going to be. Even at the end when he's fantasizing and writing that fantasy letter to his father, like he has this huge fantasy that he's going to become rich and that's what's going to make him like everything's going to be okay once I get all this money and become successful. But like, and then I could buy the house and you don't have to live in that area. You don't have to live in the basement anymore. You just have to wait until I become rich. Yeah. Like he's still just trying to live out of fantasy and trying to figure out where he belongs because he still just hasn't, he doesn't know. And that is one thing about the ending of the movie too was I looked at that and like, I was like, oh, like it kind of sh- like shows it in a way like, oh, maybe he did actually become successful and maybe he did buy this house. So his dad doesn't have to live th- down there anymore. And it was this weird. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a bullshit. end. like, it's kind of a bullshit throwaway ending for that. And then it shows him still sitting in the same house afterward, just looking back at the letter and then falling asleep right next to it as, oh, this is just going on in his yeah. head. Mm-hmm. Like, it's this really interesting idea of like 
it all this it's a Korean movie, but like it almost is like when you, how we feed people the American dream. You give people this idea that they can do it, like they can with hard work you can do anything. You can become Steve Jobs or Bill Gates and be a millionaire <laughs> when that's it's a bullshit. It's a bullshit lie that we tell people cuz the idea that you can not be in control of what happens to your life is scary to people. Well, and also that's the whole thing about the plan, right? The dad always talks about the plan until when the flood hits and he just submits there is no fucking plan because the next wave of bullshit we're not even going to be able to to handle and we just have to go whatever whatever happens, right? And it's 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 and I think again you see in American society, well, what's your financial plan? Like, what are you planning to do to get it out of your situation? Here's my book to give you twelve tips. Yeah. To- <laughs> Forty dollar book that's a hundred pages long that will tell you how to become rich and successful. I did it, and so can you. Yeah, like like people like a, a, a large majority of Americans can't like wouldn't be able to financially sustain after missing one paycheck. Yeah. yeah. So how the fuck do you make a plan when you have that much when you're one paycheck away that from that much being margin of error? Well, it's like one of those things. Know? Like when I went to college, one of the things they said is like always put away some of your paycheck every every time you get one. It's like what if you're just like like you said, what if you're living paycheck to paycheck? You can't put away nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of fall in that trap too. Like I try to put away a little bit of money every single time, but as soon as like. Something just small, like, oh, I need to get food or something like that. Yeah. Like, I have to take a little bit of that money away, and it basically just ends up turning into nothing. I'd argue getting food isn't very small, but... <laughs> <laughs> but Why don't get something like, small, like, eat? Yeah. But, like, you know, compared to something like, oh, my the transmission went out on my car. Right, right, right. Or, oh, I broke a leg or something yeah. big like that. Well, that's the... That's I guess... I, one thing I guess I should say, too, because I know that you were saying... Like, Dry was telling us that a lot of the audience that listens to this podcast are in Brazil, and... I don't know what the medical care is like in Brazil, but I know like here in America, if say one of us in this room broke like, you know, broke an arm or broke a leg, that's very easily a ten, twelve thousand dollar medical bill you have now on top of now you're out of yeah, on top of now you're out of work for however long it takes to heal. I'm not going to the hospital. You can have the fucking twelve thousand dollar bill. No, that's <laughs> we joke, but that's the that's the American way. People don't go to the hospital because they're like, oh, I don't want to pay. I mean to be like, and this is like kind of a little bit of hit of reality. I remember there was one time my sister got really sick whenever I was in high school and me and my mom were just like, you know, desperately trying to take care of her. And we took her to the hospital and the doctor straight up told us if her, or if her temperature gets above 101, take her to the hospital right away because I, you know, it could be, I don't want to say he said it could be fatal, but he said it could be problematic. And at one point in time, like we took her temperature and it was at 106 and I found out about a year later that like that's actually the temperature where your brain starts to boil inside of your head and she fought us tooth and nail because and that's what she kept on saying is i can't afford to go to the hospital don't take me there i can't afford to go to the hospital and we we didn't like we just basically like you know we just did what we could to take care of her there you know we made sure she took cold showers and we uh put cold not a cold compress but like you know cold rags on, on her head and stuff like that doing what we could to take care of her because she was at that point, like, I think she was maybe 23 at that point. And the idea of dying was probably better for her than going to the hospital. That's... Even then, though, you don't even get a die for free in the United States. No, no, you fucking don't. But uh, <laughs> you do if you don't do anything after. If you literally just like, oh, there's dead If body. we give her a Viking burial and just like burn her out, or on the river next <laughs> to the mean, town. What's 
what's your death plan? Obviously, you guys don't have a plan, so I'll tell you mine. Yeah. When I know I'm about to die, because obviously, you get that, right? Obviously. You, you know exactly when you're about to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You run off into the woods and find some nook and cranny, and at least you get two weeks before they can identify your body. Yeah. That way you cheat the system. <laughs> Just treat it like you're a cat that's about to pass away. It's yeah. like, well, I'm going to die. Better run away now. Oh, man. You got to cheat the tax man. <laughs> like, that is a... That's just, like, it really encapsulates this movie, is this idea of, like, because even this family is in this point where, like, they probably would be in the same boat, like, they can't get sick, they can't... Actually, it's brought in the first part of the movie, the reason that Dad lets them, that he tells them not to close the windows when they're fumigating is because maybe it will get rid of the bugs in their apartment, because they can't afford to fumigate. Yeah. I'll say, I really, I do really like the, uh the birthday scene. I think that's really cool. It calls back to so much in the movie. Like the child there on his, in first grade, he saw a quote unquote ghost on his birthday. The I ghost it, was the man in the basement. Yeah. Just the way that he comes up from those stairs too. Like, I think I unintentionally laughed a little bit too hard. At <laughs> you guys that. did. Just cause like the wide eyes are like, Ooh, is that cake? <laughs> that yeah. he had that's from. probably what he was thinking. Like, yeah. That's probably exactly what he was thinking. Cause it wasn't like sinister of him. He was probably just like, Oh man, I haven't had cake in forever. Yeah. Kind of look. He probably hasn't had cake. Yeah. Well, but like, from a seven year old child who just sees eyes staring at him from across an empty hallway, it's probably terrifying. And then the rich people being rich people. Oh, I heard ghosts are good for business. <laughs> Yeah, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah. But I It think sounds it's, like some bullshit. Rich it it does. Say. But I think the thing about the mom, too, is, like, the actress who played the mom did a very good job of making her seem like she's just a giant airhead. Again, back to the birthday part. So, like, that gets brought up. Again, the Indi- the Native American thing comes full circle at this point. Yeah. The um, daughter, again, like, sins of the father, essentially, gets her killed. The daughter... Before, like, this whole thing, the daughter and the mother were like, we should probably, like, give them food or something, try to negotiate with the people in the basement so that, well, they didn't expect to die, but they thought they were going to get outed. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why this last party scene is so good is because it does call back to literally everything in the movie. Everything in the movie pays off in this one five, six minute scene. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. This is like the Chekhov's gun thing. Like it's Chekhov's minigun. Yeah. If you like introduce it in the in one part, you have to pay it forward, because if not, it's gonna be un uh unrewarding. And like this entire party scene, like, yeah, it's Chekhov's minigun, it's just shooting everything that it's mentioned yeah. in the movie at you. Just like everything like the peaches, like they use that to get rid of the mate, but it comes back when they have to fight her, the daughter finds peaches and just starts rubbing her with peaches all over. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might have just been, like, a weird anger thing for her, the daughter, too, because then she get hit over the head with a bottle yeah. during that scene, and she's just like, all right, you want to fucking play dirty and, like, grab Peach, and it's like, take that, you bitch, kind of mentality. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird to think, like, this, that it's, like, a weird threatening scene while you watch someone smear Peaches on someone <laughs> yeah. else. But, like, the movie pulls it off really well. Like, yeah. the tension isn't lost with this ridiculous concept. Right. But, like... I, I guess mean, I, I guess was, someone with a nut allergy would be the same thing as if someone grabbed a bag of peanuts and was hitting you over the head with it. Except peanuts are a nut, but I, I appreciate the thought. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> I know what you mean. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess something we also gloss over. So the maid actually dies in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, so what happens is after the peaches thing, she obviously can't breathe and they throw her back in the basement. And when she's coming up, the mother kicks her down the stairs. Yeah. 
and she it's, falls down the stairs, hits her head on the thing, and she like gets a concussion. And she, you for a little bit, you think that she's gonna be completely fine yeah. until she's like, I'm really dizzy, and she starts throwing yeah. up in the toilet. And then after that, you don't hear from her ever again. Well, she says, I can't see anything. Yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. remember the name. I don't remember Chokesun, something like that. Is the yeah the mom's name? Yeah, yeah, her actual name. Which we kind of, in a weird way, don't want to say the names because I feel like we're just... At least I know I'll butcher them. Yeah, I mean, not, I feel like I would even butcher them. I'm not... Like, I would have to see them and I could probably pronounce them, but, like, uh, Korean's not my strong suit. But, like... And that's... She dies there. Like, and the... Again, like, this this idea of, like, this beautiful ignorance. None of the family knows she died. Right. Even at the end, I don't think anyone but the father, because... The father in the end goes and hides in the basement. He probably is the only person who actually knows. Yeah, what's insane to me is nobody... I mean, I guess the mom and the the brother don't want to, like, rat out the other dude there, I guess, right? Well, the brother just wants to kill him. The rule of this story is you don't want to end up in the basement. <laughs> don't have basements. <laughs> you, 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 you fight for the privilege of not being in the basement. Whoever is in the basement is the biggest loser is the mentality of everyone in that movie, except for the guy who was in the fucking basement. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. There's, I have kind of like a bit of respect for that guy. Cause like, he's like, yeah, this is just, I feel like at home here, this is where I belong. Please just don't bother me. I just, I just want to do this. I mean, he just yeah. kind of got Stockholm it's, syndrome. Yeah. A little I, bit. Yeah. I think, in a weird way, because I, I know I've fallen into this kind of bit before, is I feel like he's someone who's in a bad situation, but he knows it could be much worse. And so he's glad that he's where he's at least at kind of thing, because I've been in that situation. Once again, I was unemployed for three weeks during a pandemic where like, oh, everyone's losing their job. And now I've lost my job. And like I had this kind of moment where I was like, I'm not going to be able to find another job. And even though I was applying, like, I had, like, zero hope until I finally got the job that I have now, and I'm super happy to have this job, at least for now, but who knows, like, maybe a year down the line, I'll probably start to hate it, but it's not, but it's just kind of one of those, like, it's, you're glad that you at least have something mentality that he has, yeah. even though, like, people look at him like he's in the worst situation out of all, everyone, but he's glad to just even be alive in that situation. Well, look at it like this, right? The house is a representation of an economic system, yep. whichever country you are the house is the economic system and there's three tiers you could exist in the basement you can exist on the ground floor with the rich people serving them or you can be the rich people the rich people don't know about the people in the fucking basement mm -hmm. because that's the that's the first tier or third tier however which way you want to yeah, go the lowest the middle tier is the people who know about the basement don't want to be in the fucking basement, but are also trying to be the rich people, right? <laughs> no, you're not and wrong. The rich people are just telling the middle tier to, you know, don't cross the line. What line? Whatever line I fucking say is the line. Yeah. Don't fucking cross it. And that's yeah. That's yeah, the on. dad does straight up say that though. He's like he he hasn't crossed the line yet. That's like, no. Yeah, he says like he's every time that we've talked, he comes so close to crossing the line, but he doesn't. And the wife's like, oh, that's nice. That's yeah, good, yeah. dear. Like, it's okay. <laughs> no, we don't really know what the fuck the line is. It's just whatever he says the fucking line is because he has because he has he the money. Has that, yeah, he has that power. Yeah, right. Like the vague idea of the line is like when he's talking about his wife and the dad's like, "Oh yeah, you love her," and he's like, "Sure, sure, we'll, we'll call, call it that." that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a, that's always an interesting one too because it does show like even the rich people don't have their shit together, anyways. Like, there's clearly a bunch of shit going on in their life. The biggest thing I think the movie does, the rich people aren't evil, they're just stupid and ignorant. Yeah, that's something that it does point out a lot. Like, they're not 
bad people. They just don't know. Yeah, but th- that's that's the thing. It's 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 just that they're people. It, it doesn't really matter who's the rich person because somebody's scrambling to be the rich person, mm. and whoever is the rich person gets to look the cleanest because they don't have to fucking fight for shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 get to be the good person. They don't have to be you know savagely attacking others. Whatever whatever they say is the the law of you know decency is going to be established because you don't want to cross. The fucking line. Yep. <laughs> Wherever this line is. <laughs> it's an invisible line that the rich guy put on the floor. Yeah. If anybody crosses that line, he'll know. No one else will, but he will. Yep. Yeah. But apparently getting close is also smelling bad. Yeah. Like, that's what he was saying. It's like, that's the only time he crosses the line is with that smell. Because he smells of poor. <laughs> well, he smells of old turnips, which, of course, is the symbolism of the poor people. Well, here's another way to look at it. He doesn't know what that smell is. But him and the dad, or the dad and the dude living in the basement, have that smell. So it's probably the smell of the fucking basement. He doesn't know about the people in the basement, yeah. but he just doesn't like the smell. He does describe it as the subway, is when you would smell that. Yeah, people that ride the subway. But it is something that they do say in the house whenever the boy goes around and says, like, oh, they all smell the same. Is the family's talking about it, like, oh, great, now we all have to use different soaps, and we all have to use different detergent, and we all have to use different fabric softeners, and it's going to be bullshit. We have to do four times as much laundry, because this little kid can smell it on us, and they're like, I don't think it's the smell of our clothes. I think it's just the smell of living in this little basement apartment. It was just interesting, the way, like, it's very subtle in the way that they do all this classism stuff, too, of, like, you know, the rich people, they're not exactly evil, they just don't know in a lot of cases, or they're just ignorant to the world around them. Um, and that, like, I feel like that was very much a thing with them. Like, you know, like, oh, well, we can't go camping because it's raining too much. And so they're starting to kick everyone out. So we're going home and like the kid still wants to go out and he still wants to, um, he still wants to camp. So he goes and camps out in the backyard in his little tent, even though it's like raining really hard. And then once the family sneaks out of the house and they go out and they realize that like, it's raining so much that it's flooding where they're living, and it's once again, like, you know, since they're up on the hill where all the other rich people live, they're, they're not affected by this thing that's affecting literally everyone else around them. Yeah. And it doesn't make them bad that it's not affecting them. It just kind of shows in a sense their privilege of being rich. Yeah. They just they don't experience this. They don't know. Yeah. Robbie, didn't you say you had a meme, too, or something that you wanted? Yeah. Um, I was going to wait until later, but I can actually or show it now. Kind of like, in, a, in my opinion, at least, it kind of wraps up this movie pretty well is... I told my son, you'll marry the girl that I choose. He said, no. I told him, she's Bill Gates' daughter. He said, okay. I called up Bill Gates and said, I want your daughter to marry my son. Bill Gates said, no. I told Bill Gates, my son is the CEO of the World Bank. Bill Gates said, okay. Called the president of the World Bank and asked him to make my son the CEO. He said, no. I told him that my son is Bill Gates' son-in-law. He says, oh, okay. And this is how politics works. (laughs) And it's very much the same thing with like this movie because it's like they said with the rich people, they don't want to, you know, go through the process of hiring somebody. They want to go through connections. They like, you know, oh, well, this person, I trust this person and this person knows another person. So we're going to go with this person because this person said so. And it, you know, that whole connection that we were talking about earlier, how it kind of wraps up with both those. And it made me think of that. So I figured it might be good to share with this. The light that was flickering on in the background early on in the movie as a foreshadowing. I didn't notice that. Or like, you know, just little throwaway sentences that they say that end up becoming super important later. Um, just uh, talking again about The Rock, um, how it eventually is used to crush the the kid's head. 
by the dude who was in the basement. I feel like that is sort of like these tokens of success and wealth in society that you think are representation of success and wealth, but they totally aren't. They, they won't lead you to those things at all, but people in society fight over them for that particular reason is what I thought the, that the rock represented, you know, kind of like in that sense of like a, a weird person to kind of throw into this, but almost like a, something that people point out about Alex Jones is that he wears like a $10,000 Rolex watch and it, a Rolex isn't going to exactly meet like that means nothing to most people. Like, you know, you don't exactly need a $10,000 watch to tell time better, but it's a status symbol. People don't need it, but it's a status symbol amongst rich people. Like, oh, yeah, I have a watch that has fucking diamonds in it. And yeah. you're like, cool, does it work? And he's like, I don't actually know how to set a watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just checked the time on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> status. <laughs> the phone also is Rolex. <laughs> I, what I like to do is I like to wrap my phone on a rubber band around my wrist and just look at my phone <laughs> on my wrist. What I personally do is look at my wrist, which doesn't have anything on it, and Jirai says, why do you keep doing that? <laughs> I like to say, uh, I can't talk right now, I'm a busy man, and then just start browsing Facebook on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, uh, yeah, I guess let's... Uh, go into final thoughts now and uh, our one out of tens and whatnot. Let's start with Rocky. I give this movie um, uh, a high nine or a ten. It's it's either one of those things. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, it's a good movie. It's definitely worth watching. It's uh, It's good. I don't have any more insight than that, unfortunately. <laughs> Apparently for the movies I really like, I can't provide... It's, kinda, it's so good you have a hard time describing it. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have. Uh, let's go with Robbie then. I really did like this movie, and like I said, uh, what I expected this movie to be and what it actually turned out to be were two very separate things, but in the best way possible, honestly, and the fact that I feel like... Uh, it is a hard movie to describe, but it's also worth talking about at the same time. And it kind of puts it in a hard category, but it's still very much, an, it's an enjoyable viewing experience. It has a good, I don't want to say good message, but it has like a message behind it. That as long as you're able to like cut through the bullshit to see the message, because it is very subtle in a lot of the things that it does. But once again, it does it in a very good way. And this is all around a very good movie. I'd say, I'd say it's a nine. This is a, it's pretty good. I feel like it earned the, it deserved the awards that it got for everything that it did. Okay. And E. This is a very, very solid nine for me. I, it just, it really knows how to write people. Oh yeah. I think it's the biggest thing. Like, I never feel like there's something stupid. Like, I never feel like there's a dumb reason for really anything. Like, the best, the most is like, these people are just kind of dumb but you understand why like why the family does this thing where they just like fuck up the entire house because they never had that in their life they're they're like getting drunk off power essentially yeah and it just like everything makes sense like the rich people aren't these like super antagonists they don't like scoff at poor people or anything really at most they're just ignorant again and like I think it's in really interesting, like, I think it's really hard to write rich people this way without coming off as, like, being apologetic for rich people. But I think this movie really does it well, where, like, you don't 
feel entirely bad for the rich people, but you don't feel like they're like constantly deserving all the shit that happens to them. There's not exactly a clear line of who's a good person and a bad person. Yeah. There's there's not that distinction in this movie. And like again, despite being a Korean movie, you can really get the semblance of like this is the American dream in a nutshell. <laughs> this yeah. like this weird messed up story and no one would want to I don't think many people would want to admit this is kind of the American dream, but taking over the rich as a low income person kind of encapsulates that i feel and it's just this is i don't this is just one of the best movies i've seen that came out recently honestly and it's a live action movie and there's not a like usually live action movies don't get as high to me because they can't do as much that you can do in animation but this movie sells me really well okay yeah, and as for me, I also really, really like this movie. I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum of Robbie. I think that what this movie does really well is that it's not not that it's hard to talk about, it's that it's incredibly easy to talk about. It's that it takes this very complicated, very complex, very touchy subject, and it boils it down to a very easy-to-understand thing. The sub-basement, the basement, and the ground floor, like Rocky was saying. There's three very understandable layers, and maybe one of them is hidden and stuff like that. It's, it's a, that, that that's, that's when it starts to have a conversation with her right yeah i guess a better way to put it what i was saying earlier is it's not that it's i guess not hard to talk about it's just not super in your face about it compared to i guess another movie we talked about recently that we may or may not watch for this i kind of have my doubts is the platform that one that movie's super in your face about the message it's trying to i mean I, I would say this movie is in your face about it though um it starts off as living in a basement and then you go into the rich people and it's very very clear about it. Parasite. It's 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 all right there in the title. And if you think about it for a few minutes, you can kind of, you get the grasp of it, I think, pretty easily. And I think that's to the credit of Bong Joon-ho. I think that he took a very complicated subject and he boiled it down to something that everybody could very easily understand. I also feel like because it wasn't polarizing. I mean, you're never meant to be like super pissed at anybody in their position. It's right. just like, hey, this is this is how this system works and this is what it does. And so it, nothing was painted unnecessarily ugly. It just was, yeah. is what it is, you know? Yeah, like even at the end, like, there's just replacement. Like, the rich people are gone. Someone takes over the rich people's spot. Dude in the basement's gone. Someone takes over his spot. There's just always going to be somebody taking those spots. That's never going to be a system that's not there. So, yeah, I think Bong Joon-ho just did a really great job writing and directing this film. It's It's almost perfect, honestly, which makes it really, really good movie and really fun to talk about. But also... That's why I'm saying, like, when I was saying earlier, like, this is one of those movies that everybody's going to see and it's so easy to understand that at some point you're just not going to want to talk about it because nerds like to, like, dissect things and take them apart, right? And so you don't really have to do that with this movie because all the things that you can dissect from it, you can go deeper and have a much deeper discussion, but it's all also there on face value. Like, it's not hiding what yeah. this movie's about, really, I don't think. And I that's that's to its credit. I don't think it's to its detriment. I think it's to its credit. It. That's a good thing in my mind. Yeah, I, I really I really do love this movie. I think it is the polar opposite of the movie that we did for last week's episode, Greatest Showman, <laughs> where that was a beautiful lie. This is the horrible truth. Yeah, this is a gritty truth. Yeah, even so much to the last shot of the movie to where he's having that fantasy and then it goes back to him in that basement, just us realizing, like, he can fantasize all he wants, but, like, this is reality. This is what it is. Yeah. So I think it's a nice polar opposite to what The Greatest Showman was. 
Um, nine. It's a nine in my book as well. It's really good. It's a really, really, really good movie. And yeah, that will do it for this week. Um, if you would like to follow us on our social media, we are the last ones in podcast on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to reach out to us and send us your thoughts or suggestions for other movies, we are the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And thank you everybody for joining me on this one. E, thank you. Yep. Robbie, thank you. Of course. Rocky from across the country. Thank you. Absolutely. Drya, thank you. That's me. You're welcome, <laughs> Drya. All right. Everybody stay safe out there. Protest safely. Don't be a dick. Stay safe. Stay alone. Stay alive. Peace out. Seems fucking depressing. Jeopardy? Yeah. What? Like, yeah, man. You just think of, like, old age, or... No, I just, I don't know, I get, like, this image of, like, a fucking living room, and, like, like it's dark outside. Oh, uh, just, and like, what? like, and the only light is just the TV, like that Yeah, kind? and it's, like, in a, it's, like, in a trailer home in, a, in the desert, and... And there's two people who just do not talk to each other, all they do is watch Jeopardy and eat TV dinners. Yeah, and go to work and also think the government's out to get them, and... Hyper believe in the Illuminati and kind of secretly want to wear like tinfoil on their heads. I do. I do put tinfoil around the genitals because of radiation. So just the genitals, just the genitals. That's the only thing I'm trying to preserve. Whenever you said E being like a male chauvinist, the first thing that came to mind was like, so and just like, oh, women should be paid equal. And he's going gross. <laughs> oh no. Good thing that that's on recording. Yeah, good thing that Dry got that in the recording. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I mean, I am that... unsympathetic to the pleas of the bikers still. You get your own lane, and then I don't want to hear any more about you. We, we literally don't get our own lane, though, because everyone uses that lane for other stuff for no reason. People park I I, in yeah, that but... lane. I, 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 you know how many people who drive cars have the same thing? If you see me speeding, it's probably because I got somewhere to go. I don't need to hear now the bikers whine the same shit. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're stopped, you're stopped. Just get over it. If someone stops wow. me, I can get hit by a fucking car. 